You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. I finally got a good friend on the show, Steve Green. In fact, we had a plan to do a series together and it just didn't work out for my schedule and now that i know his schedule it wouldn't i don't know how it, how it would have worked out for his either but anyway steve welcome to the show i think i've been trying to work this out for months and it just kind of i don't know what happened but yeah um, well thanks for having me yeah this is it's been a long time coming i think because we we met for breakfast probably over a year ago now, i think about it and we had talked right. about this so that's right and that's we rolled into the the catholic the apologetics thing we were going to do but yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm finally be able to, to meet with you here. Yeah. So Steve, this is a, I guess it's a blessing. Like I've mentioned many times, I kind of, I for even if I've heard a story from someone, I tend to forget it. And so it's going to, it's going to sound very fresh to me, your story, because I I'm hearing so many <laughs> stories on a oh, yeah. weekly basis. Um, yeah. Take us back to back where your journey began. Well, I got to preface mine with saying that, like, I I hear a lot of people when they talk about giving their testimony, they say, well, my story doesn't really connect to people. I don't want to give my testimony, you know, that type of thing. Yep. And I come to realize that everybody's testimony, their story relates to somebody at some point, right? It doesn't, it may not reach everybody, but I think it definitely, somebody's going to hear something from it and be like, I can relate to that. So I really like, you know, what you got going on with this recon catholic recon because it's it does it testimonies matter and testimonies make a difference in people's faith journeys and i think when you look at your journey when i look at my journey and go through it's something that's it was a slow development it wasn't those one of those immediate aha moments where god for lack of better terms punched me in the face and said wake up it's time mine was slow and progressive and i have to go back to before i was born Right. My, my mom, she grew up Protestant. When I say grew up, I use that term loosely. Yep. Uh, she's, she was Protestant and she had my, my, I'll have an older brother. He was born. Uh, he had some medical conditions. My mom baptized him and the medical conditions seemed to get worse or, or something of that regard where she, she fell into that problem of evil, right? She's like, well, how could God do this to my little baby? And she just lost all faith. So when I was born, a couple years later, she never got me baptized. So, and, and religion was not a thing in our household at all. And so when I grew up, it was, it wasn't anything that's church was, wasn't talked about. I didn't know who Jesus Christ was. I heard the term, but only with, as an expletive, it wasn't a, a person that I knew of. It wasn't, I, I didn't realize, I didn't know that Jesus Christ was God. I had no clue because it just wasn't talked about. <clears throat> well, um, when I, I, my first encounter with church would say was probably one first time was a funeral. And then the second time was a wedding. But the first time I remember going to a church service outside of something like that, I was probably about 10, 11 or 12, somewhere around there. And I was outside, it was, it was like a summer or spring day. And I'm playing with a buddy of mine and outside and his mom says, Sean, it's time to go to church. And he's like, I don't want to go to church. So she's like, well, bring your friend with you. I'm like, so he asked me if I want to go to church. I'm like, okay. So I asked my mom for permission. She's like, oh yeah, I guess you can go to church. Um, she's like, it's weird. It's like people usually only go to church on Easter and Christmas. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't ask the question. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't register to me why people only go to church on Easter and Sunday and why don't, or Easter and Christmas. And yeah. if most people do, how come we don't, I, that it didn't register with me. Yeah. Anyways. I ended up going to, uh, with my friend to his, I think it was a Lutheran church. I don't remember for sure. I think it was Lutheran. And I just remember a couple of things from there. We're sitting there in the back pews and we keep getting yelled at because we're talking too loud. And I look up to the front and there's this giant pool of water with a glass front. And there's a guy standing in the middle and he's talking something. I don't know what he was saying. And this one lady comes down in all white from this side. She walks into the water. She gets dunked. She comes out and then she walks back up. 
on the other side. And all I could remember thinking was, man, if this pool breaks, this place is going to be flooded. <laughs> right? Like I had, I had no clue what was going on. Right? So that, that was my first experience of what I obviously later became known as baptism. But I didn't have any idea of what was happening. But what I do find interesting is how our, 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 we have this natural desire, this, our inclination to want to pray, right? So I didn't have any, any, any religion growing up, but I remember at times of need, times of want, times of desire, I'd still find myself praying, for lack of a better term, to, to a God that I didn't know, to a God that I didn't know existed or know anything about, but I'd find myself still praying, saying, you know, God, help me with this, give me this. I, I granted my prayers weren't, weren't good prayers, but I still find myself praying. <clears throat> so I found that interesting. Well, as time goes on, I get older and I don't think much about God, except whenever I need some, God help me like this, help let this girl like me or something crazy like that, you know, those types of prayers. <laughs> so, uh, I get older and I'm 18. I end up in the going to basic training so this is the second time i ever went to church besides you know outside of funeral wedding and we're, we're going through basic training i joined the air force and the the military training instructor the mti or the ti says um yeah you're, you're either going to go to church because it was on sunday he's like you're going to church or you're going to stay and clean the bathrooms and everyone's like <laughs> we're going to go to church right so we get there we march down to the chapel and we walk in this and they separate us they say all right you who want to be who Catholics go this to the right, you you uh, Protestants go to the left, and there are some other denominations there, but those are the two that I remember them saying, and I had no idea what the term Catholic was. I was like, um, my mom had said that she was Protestant, so I went to the Protestant side, <clears throat> and I remember sitting in there, and it's jam packed with all these trainees, and there I, I don't remember anything what was said. I remember crying with everybody else around us because we're all, we miss our families. They're yelling at us, all this other stuff. And it was this moment through a basic training where you can kind of just relax and not feel the pressure of people just yelling at you and doing this and doing that. And we were sitting there. And at one point during the service, so they come and they give us a little cup of grape juice and a little piece of bread. And I didn't know what it was. I was thinking, oh, this is cool. We get a snack in the middle of this, you know? and I didn't know when to do it, when to, what if I was allowed to eat it then and there. I'm just looking around at people, watching them. When I see them do it, I'm like, you know, because I had no idea. And that was my, my first experience with the Protestant uh, service. But I didn't, I only remember that first time. I know I went to church, basically training six weeks long. I know I went to church every Sunday, but I never... I, I cannot remember anything but that first experience. Like it just, I, I don't know why the rest of it just fell from me. So I go through basic training and I graduate, end up going to United Kingdom was my first station, my first base I get stationed at. And when I'm there is when I meet Janelle, who ends up becoming my wife, she's my wife now. And she's a cradle Catholic. And as she, as we, we started dating, she would go to church on most Sundays. And I, I was like, this isn't for me. And I never went to it, but I remember one day it was Christmas Eve. Cause in, when I was at work, so United Kingdom, we were probably maybe 90 minutes North of London. Okay. So weren't too far from there. So on Christmas Eve, I'm like, we're going to go to the club down in London. They have this big Christmas Eve bash, you know, cause we're both single and we're like, this, this is going to be awesome. She's like, okay, but I need to go to church first. And I'm thinking, why do you go to church before we go to the, to the club, you know? So she's, I'm like, all right, that's fine. So we go, I, I park in the parking lot. She gets out. She goes into the Christmas Eve, you know, not, not the midnight mass. It was, I think it was Eight like a, or something. yeah, something like that. And I'm just sitting in the car waiting for her. And then she comes out and we get in the car and we head down to London. And <clears throat> it just is weird to me that someone would want to go to mass. Like when we're getting ready to go to the club, you know, like, why do you want to go to church? Like, it just, it was just interesting to me. And her reasons really were, well, that's what we did growing up. You know, she was, 
as as so many of us are those you know the the catechesis over the last several generations haven't been the strongest right so we can't put blame on them and that i think the church did a bad job you know post vatican ii of of catechism but the so she, her, she wasn't very well catechized and she didn't have a lot of answers when whenever i did start asking questions a lot of times it was that well that's what we did growing up anyways uh, when, when our relationship started to get more real, more serious, it started coming to questions of, okay, this, she might be the one for me here. And if we get, we, we get married, like she takes her faith, what I, what I consider faith serious, um, even though she'd probably consider herself lukewarm Catholic at best at that time. And uh, I, I just remember saying, well, if we get married, marriage leads to kids. And I know if, if we have kids, she's going to want to take them to church. I'm going to, I'm not going to want to be the dad who sits on the couch on Sunday, watching football saying, kids, go with your mom to church. So I said, all right, if we get married, when we get married, uh, that's when I'll start going to church. And a couple of uh, 18 months later, we end up getting married and we didn't get married in the church because we didn't know better. Yep. No, but we, the Sunday, two Sundays after we got married, because she actually, the day after we got married, she had to fly out because she was in the Air Force as well. She had to fly out to go on a, a deployment, or actually it was a, a TDY, temporary duty, for two weeks, right the day after we got married. Now, anyway, she comes back, and that's the first time I go to, to Mass. I said, okay, let me check out this whole church thing with you. And this one was interesting because, Again, she wasn't well catechized, right? But so every time she did something, I'd ask, and there wasn't a very solid answer. But I was like, I just shrugged my shoulder off, said, "All right, I guess I'll, I'll just follow your lead." And we walk into this church. It was the base chapel. So on base, if you ever been to a military base chapel, it's kind of sanitized because they use it for that same chapel is used for Protestants or Catholics. So certain things, the cross, there's a crucifix for Catholics, but they they change it out with a a clean cross for the, the Protestants. And then they have stations of the cross on the, on the size, but they're like, they're enough where you can close these windows or close them. So you can't see the images for the Protestants. So it's very, it's easy to transform the sanctuary from a Catholic to a Protestant version. So it's, it's interesting, but <clears throat> interesting, man. I had no idea. Yeah. And they're not all like that, but this particular one, was definitely it's it was trans it's transformable if you will so we walk in there and we she she genuflects up the pew we sit in the back and i'm just sitting there like i didn't i didn't genuflect i was like i don't know what am i bowing to i have no idea and we sit down or we stand you know she, she's showing me the the lectionary or the the, the missile look where the, the what's what songs we're going to be singing basic stuff that now you just it's just common knowledge, right? It's just like muscle memory, but it was also new to me. And I had no idea why we were standing or, you know, different parts, why we were doing what. But I remember specifically after the readings, the priest went into his homily and they, because it was this, uh, a, a chapel that could be transformed, you know, Protestants a lot of time use a projector screen. Yep. So down came in front of the crucifix, this, this, um, giant, like, white projector screen and then this lady came rolling out a cart with a projector on it and the priest brings up this slideshow and he starts talking about money he's like all right this is this is our our annual income this is where our money is this is where our money is going this is what it's earmarked for this is how much more we need the whole thing was all about money and all i could think about was i guess church is really just about money because that's all that they talked about at that for the homily right and I don't even remember the, the liturgy of the Eucharist. I don't remember that happening. I just remember asking questions, not getting answers, and the priest talking about money. And that was my first experience with the mass. <clears throat> but I kept going. It didn't, it didn't phase me too much. I was like, it is what it is. Uh, so we kept going. I kept going. And our time in England was coming to an end, but we had lots of friends there who were um, getting, you know, they're newlyweds, so they were having babies and things like that. 
but we kept hearing horror stories about the military hospital and I'm not knocking military hospitals, just whatever reason at this particular time, at that particular place, we heard lots of bad stories about people who were going into the labor delivery and were coming out like with bad, bad stories to tell. So we are like, oh my goodness, whenever we have kids, we do not want to have kids in the military hospital, you know? And, but my wife, Janelle, she had baby fever and I was like, yeah, let's wait, let's wait. And <clears throat> we ended up getting assignments to go to Guam, but and we were all excited because she, she's, her family's from Guam and we're like, oh, we could, this, this could be awesome. But that ends up getting canceled and we end up in North Carolina instead. And we're like, what the heck? We had this great, this great opportunity to go with family, go overseas, you know, to the Pacific. This would have been awesome. So we were all bummed out about it. And we end up in, like I said, North Carolina, which out of all the places I've been stationed, that was my worst. That, I, that one I liked the least. It was my least favorite. Nothing against anyone from North Carolina, but we didn't like it. I and, love how you uh, have to, yeah, you have to make sure, hey, no offense, yeah. anyone. Don't, yeah, exactly. Don't cancel me, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we ended up going there and another weird experience because we were going to the on-base chapel. There was this one priest who, he was very, he had a very strong personality. And I remember I was sick this one day on, on mass. And so Janelle went with, we just, we had just given birth to our, our, our baby girl and she's at mass with her, you know, so she's two months old at this time, something like that, a couple of weeks old. And my wife's sitting and this time, you know, it was, it's weird because I think about it. We slowly started moving up from the back pew when we went to church to like the three quarters of the back to like the halfway, you know, we slowly started working our way up and uh, we were sitting kind of, kind of toward the middle or my wife was and the baby starts crying and the priest in the middle of this homily stops and yells at my wife telling her to take the yelling baby and get out of it and my wife was like oh my goodness so she came home after mass that day in tears and I'm like what the heck happened you know so <clears throat> it was crazy so we didn't have I didn't have lots of great experiences going but stuck with it nonetheless anyways we have both our kids in North Carolina, which in my estimation are the only two good things that came out of my, uh, the whole time in North Carolina. Those are the only two things that I was like, thank you, Lord, you know. Um, <clears throat> but I deployed a lot. I worked a lot when I was there. And actually, I was deployed to Afghanistan when I got the news that we're going to be moving. But I'm going to be going alone to South Korea, and she's going to be left alone with the kids. So... I was like, how do I break this news to her that this is my, our next assignment. We're going to be separated for a year. But it got us out of North Carolina, so we dealt with it. She went and lived with her parents for a year when I went to South Korea for a year. And it was interesting at South Korea, though, because that was the first time I ever went to Mass by myself. Because something told me, because at this point, I was going to Mass for maybe, maybe four or five years being married that yeah probably that long before I got we got to Korea and when I'm in that when I'm, I'm there she's she like I said she's staying with her parents with the kids in Washington State okay I'm in South Korea and I'm going to to mass I said I should probably go so I ended up going by myself every weekend and I remember this one time it was it was a very small parish like on Saturday night there's probably four of us five on a good night and there was a new priest there, and I, one night on an on a evening, he comes up and he, comes, he says to me, he's like, can you do the readings? And I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm not Catholic. He's like, that's okay. You can still do the readings. So I'm like, dang, how do, how do I get out of this, you know? So he's like, it's okay. Just go up there and do the readings. So I grabbed the, you know, the, the missiles that get changed out every season? Yep. That go in the pews. So I grabbed one of those, and I open up to it. I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm reading through, preparing myself, not paying attention to anything else that's going on because I'm like, I don't want to mess this up. Time comes up for, for me to do the first reading, and I take the missile with me because I didn't know what was up there. I didn't know, like, I had gone to Mass a lot, but I haven't really paid attention. Yeah. I think I'd be part of the Mass. And I walk up there. I get up, and I see that there is a book up there, but I put my missile on top <laughs> of it, and I start reading from it. 
And as I'm reading through the first reading, he, he gets up and I see him on periphery. He comes walking across and he stops me and he points to the book underneath and says, read this one instead. I'm like, uh, okay. So I take the, the missile, I'll put it down and I, I do the readings. When I get back to my, my seat, I realized that the missile was from last year, never got changed. I was like, man, what's the chances of this? Because after the mass, I went through and I looked at, not at all of them, but I went through random pews and they were all changed. Except Every for book was changed, except for the one that I grabbed. I said, what's the chances of this? Uh, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it is. It, it was, it's funny to me after the fact too, because I'm like, yeah. what's the chances, you know? So <clears throat> I keep going to mass as this, my time in Korea for a year. And I grow in a stronger relationship. This is the first time I really started growing a relationship with Christ because we we're, I, I got involved, right? If I, if, if I continue to just go to church on Sunday, sit there like this, stand, sit and kneel when I need to, then leave. I'm not growing anything. I'm not, I'm not establishing any type of relationship, but when I start to get involved, even with my messed up lecturing and, um, and, and I just, I found there's some kind of peace to it. There's like, I enjoy doing it. I talked to the priest, tried to say, Hey, can I do this RCIA thing? Um, so I started thinking about converting at that point. Um, he said, the priest didn't want me to do RCA by myself because I'd be the only one, but he gave me some books to study, some things to read up. You know, he, he gave me some Patrick Madrid stuff and some Steve Ray stuff to read over. Sorry, this is still in South Korea. This is still in South Korea. Okay. Because at this time, the, the priest, he, I think he's from the Philippines, um, the, the, the military chaplain that was there was still, was still in Korea, still by myself learning these things. Uh, but I took initiative and like I said, really started to first establish a relationship. Uh, but that time, that, that year comes to an end. And then my family and I end up reuniting and we get to a new station and we're in Okinawa, Japan now. So now we moved over here and where we've come back together. And this was, this was a tumultuous time for us because I just spent a year of being by myself. She just spent a year with her family, her mom and dad's support and taking care of the kids, you know, where she was, you know, you know, single parent life. So we come together and we're trying to, I have this mental issue of trying, like, I don't really think as a parent should, I guess, because I'm like, Oh, let's go do this. And I just go and do it, not thinking, well, let's, we need to work this together because now we're together. We, I can't just do things like I'm single again. Right. And, you know, disciplining of kids was an issue because, you know, she was, you know, single mom and now there's two of us. So we have some learning curves to go through. Um, but we still continue to go to church. You know, we still made sure we made that a priority in our life. And I, now I think I, I wish I remembered when we started to pray regularly as a family. I, I'm going to say it definitely happened in Japan, but I don't know if it was before then either. I'll have to, I'll have to ask her and see if she remembers. But anyways, so now we're in Korea. This is 2010, or sorry, Japan. We're in Japan. 2010 is the year. And I joined RCIA. There's a fantastic group that's going through. Um, there's a guy that's an older guy with a long white beard. A lot of us called him Moses just because he was, he had that look and he was a very knowledgeable guy. And we started going through the whole process. I end up uh, in 2011, April, 2011 is when I come into the church, right? So I'm like, this is cool. I, I was so overwhelming because RCIA is a knowledge, it's just, it's just a water hose of information. So I didn't really... I've gone, this was seven years now going to church. It took me seven years from the time we got married to the time that uh, I came into the church. And even though I was only that little end, I was starting to learn about Jesus and the church itself, really paying attention. Still, RCIA was just information overload. So I didn't really know what I had yet. And I remember receiving the sacraments and not at that immediate moment did like when I first time for ever receiving the Eucharist, there wasn't like this light shining from the heavens upon, you know, none of that happened. I was like, okay, next, you know, it was, so it was an underwhelming experience when I received the Eucharist the first time, but that night 
So they had a reception afterwards. I remember pulling my son, who was maybe two at the time. He was sleeping. I was just walking and I walked out of the reception area. It was connected to the, the sanctuary and I walked into the sanctuary. And then that's where I had like this flow of feelings of like, I'm home now. Like, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this was right. And it felt wonderful. So at the mass, I think my ner own nerves got in the way of me being open to feeling for anything other than what's next that I got to do. Yep. Um, so after the mass ended and I was able to calm myself and so it, it was a beautiful experience just to stand there in the empty sanctuary, just my son sleeping on my shoulder. And that was, that was the moment I was like, this is, this was the right choice. This was the right feel Jesus is truly here and present. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. So here we start growing as a family in our relationship with Christ. Uh, like I said, I know for, at this point now, we're definitely, we're definitely praying together and um, as a family and this type of thing. In Japan, my spot, or did you already yeah, still, You're still in Japan. Uh, we're still, yeah, we're still there. Uh, my sponsor was a guy named Russ, great guy, very, very holy man. Um, he invites me to join the Knights of Columbus. He's like, come join us. I'm like, okay. Which, shout out to anyone who's not a knight. Yep. 18 and older men, join up. But anyways, the Knights of Columbus, they do great things. And I had no idea who they were really. Well, he told me about them, and I was like, it sounds, sounds like it's legit. So I joined them and uh, that gets me more involved with the church. And I find that when I involve myself in the church or I learn more, that's when my development, my relationship develops more with Christ. So we're still in Japan later in 2011. Uh, I'm supposed to deploy, I'm supposed to go with work, go, go be gone for six months on a deployment, which would have been, which would have been a bummer. But I was a little bit excited because it was going to part of the, the, the trip was going to be in Australia. I was like, that'd be cool. Um, I can't remember the other part where they were going. It was like split into two sections. And I was excited about going bum because I was going to have to leave the family again, but excited about the opportunity because in the air in, in the military, you train, you train, you train, you train. And when you deploy, that's when you push training into action. Right. And it becomes real for the most part. Not like we were going to be dropping bombs or anything in in Australia, but. And that's what I did in the Air Force. I put bombs on airplanes, but it doesn't sound as exciting as it, it wasn't exciting as it sounds. But <clears throat> anyways, we're three weeks out from deploying and I'm playing basketball and I I'd go to block someone's shot. I land, I blow up my knee, tear my ACL and I'm, I'm crushed because one, I just blew out my ACL and now I'm not going to be able to deploy. Granted, now I didn't have to leave my family, but in my mind, I'm like, man, this was this opportunity to go with my, my fellow brothers and sisters to deploy, you know, to a country I've never been to and then wherever else it was. So I was, I was heartbroken and, and crushed. And I was like, God, why me type of thing. That, that was a moment where I was like, how could you do this God type of thing? And it, three months later, I got my answer because there is a retreat that happened that uh have you heard of Curcio? yeah i have yeah so you know how they do the men and the women they do it separate yep well janelle my wife she went in the spring um right before i became into before i came to the church she went in the spring but because i wasn't catholic yet i didn't go um because they always did a spring and a winter session and she went through the spring and changed her life and i didn't have an opportunity to go and until during the spring one so the winter one i was going to deploy so i wasn't going to have a chance but now that i'm not deployed she's like well look now you can go to this retreat so i said okay i'll go and i go to this retreat and oh my goodness talk about a life changer right i think i think retreats have a, an amazing way to really open up your heart to create to christ because i there's something about it this retreat here was a three night, four day, four, something like that, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it was amazing. Like I tell people, I went through RCAA and it gave me all this knowledge of how, of what, it, of how, what to know, know, know how to be Catholic. But when I went through this retreat, it taught me how to act and live my Catholicism because man, it just, I didn't know 
right raise the prayer pray i didn't i didn't open a bible even though i was praying and you know coming to the church i didn't open a bible outside of class right of um it just so many things of being silent and listening you know different things and on saturday night friday night we did the, it was the confession night now mind you earlier this year i just went through and received all the sacraments so i was baptized confirmed all that on easter vigil of 2011 december 2011 is this retreat and i'm getting ready to go to confession that's i've never done before and i'm sitting there and it was beautiful because let me say let me set the scene the, the retreat scene is northern japan and on this on this tropical island of okinawa it's tucked away into the woods from the traffic so you don't hear any any cars it's on this edge of this cliff with the pacific ocean just right there absolutely beautiful peaceful place we called it mission beach it was phenomenal uh it was a two-story building very old but you know something about the humility of it being this old rundown building if you will and then the tops on the upstairs there was a sanctuary a little, little chapel area with pews and a crucifix and a mini altar and the windows were huge and we opened them up and the winds coming in you hear the, the ocean crashing against the rocks it was it was beautiful we do this candlelit rosary so all the only light is the moon the stars and these candles wow. i was like oh my goodness this is amazing and then they're like all right now we're going to get ready to go to confession and i'm like oh uh how do you do that you know we talked about it in rca but we didn't go through the at least i didn't go through the process because i was going to receive baptism right so I, i'm all freaking out saying how i can't go to i can't i can't do this confession thing because father he's our spiritual director for this retreat if i go and i tell him all my sins he's gonna be looking at me judging me tomorrow because we sit at the same table at the during the retreat and he's gonna be like this guy you know, so I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. Didn't want to spill my sins to the priest who was going to be, I'm be talking to tomorrow. And, and I was just, I was nervous and, and scared of the whole thing. But my sponsor, he was there, my sponsor from RCIA. From, and he's like, oh, it's okay. And he just talked me through it. He walked me in there or walked me up to the door anyways. And it was right. It was, it was, I was so nerve wracking, but he was right. It's like, it's, there's nothing to be afraid of, at least for what I had a scared of. If you don't know how to do confession, the priest will guide you. You don't have to worry about the, the priest judging you because they're not going to judge you, right? They're, they don't want to carry around my sins. Well, you know, they're not going to remember that. So I went to confession. That was my first time doing it. And it was, it was overwhelming, not because I felt this um, immediate sense of relief, but because it was a sacrament that I'd never received before. And I had this like, like wave of emotion in the middle of the retreat. And I probably felt the true power of the confession the next day when I did see the priest and he didn't judge me. I was like, okay, I can do this again. You know, like that was, it was like reassuring for me that like, he just talked to me like any other day. And I, I it was, it was wonderful. Anyway. So the, retreat ends and it changed our, it changed our life. So now we're, we're truly a Catholic family living in a Catholic way. Cause my wife went through it. I went through it. It was, it was a beautiful thing. <clears throat> move, move forward two years. And now we're moved to Idaho. That's what brings us to Idaho. We leave Japan. We come here to Idaho. We're down in mountain home, part of the base there. And we're getting involved. You know, we're, we, we've come to like, we want to be, we want to be lectors. We want to be Eucharist ministers, sacristy, whatever we can get in our kids be altar service. We just felt this desire to just want to serve. And so we just filled in wherever we could. And for me, I was in this work. Uh, I got a new job. I was still in the air force, but I got a new job where I was able to um, have a nine to five, if you will. Sure. Cause before it was always, my schedule would fluctuate depending on the flying schedule of the jets and everything else. But this one, I had a desk job where I was Monday through Friday, 10 hour shifts, no weekends, no deployments. It was really nice. And I said, well, let me use this opportunity to finish out my degree. So I finished out my bachelor's degree, which ended up being in English. 
And then I said, well, I'm doing this. I might as well. I got three years left. I said, I cannot get a master's degree in this time. So I roll, I finished my English degree in October. And then January, I start my master's degree in theology through Holy Apostles College and Seminary in Connecticut. And I went with them because I really liked apologetics and um, I needed a, a, a program that could be 100% online. And because uh, I was looking at Franciscan in Steubenville, but at that time they weren't 100% online yet. Got it. So I ended up. Going I was just going to say, didn't there was a gentleman that gave you Patrick Madrid's work in South Korea, right? And did you does he not teach at Holy Apostles as well as an adjunct professor? Did you have him as a? Oh no! So the apologetics. Yeah, so I did have, so I did have, I studied under Patrick Madrid and Trent Horn at Holy Apostles. Yeah. But when I was in South Korea, the priest gave me their books. The priest, so, thank you. That's yeah, what it was. Priest, yeah, yeah. In South Korea. Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, at least he gave me Patrick Madrid books to read. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was, it was super cool learning for those guys. Um, because in my mind, I might have said earlier, when I grow in knowledge of Christ, I grow in a stronger relationship with Christ. It's just the way I operate. I have a hard time connecting the 18 inches from here to here, you know, but, um, so I, I, I end up going during the time where I'm doing my studies. It's a fantastic time. Cause like I said, my job doesn't require me to have these crazy hours. I'm heavily involved in the church. I can get to daily mass almost every day. You know, I'm studying and learning about Christ and his church and God, and all these things. It was like, it was beautiful. And, uh, that leads me up to, to retirement right so in 2019 i was able to retire from the air force and now like what's next right so we weren't sure what was planned for us and so i'm applying for all these jobs we wanted to stay in idaho that would have been the premier option but i ended up getting a job uh, for an e-commerce company and i ended up going down to texas and we we live in I signed a two-year contract. I'm like, all right, well, I guess, you know, we're going to make Texas our new home. And we, we tried to get involved down there. They had a beautiful church with like 7,000 families. It was huge. And we're, we're just, we're just got our foot in the door down there when COVID hits and everything shuts down. And we're like, okay, this is, I mean, we all live through it differently or to some extent. In Texas, we were, they shut the mask down and they didn't let us go. There's no mask in anywhere for two solid months through Easter. And so we were doing the online thing and online mass is great for those who can't get to mass. But when they allowed us to get back to mass, I was blown away with how powerful it was to receive Christ in the Eucharist. And it wasn't something that I'm like, I can't like knowing, like expecting a certain reaction from, I didn't have that. I was just like, thank you, Lord, for letting me receive you again. And once the consecrated host hit my tongue, it was instant downpouring. Like I could not stop crying. It was, it was kind of, it, it took me by surprise. I didn't expect that, that reaction, that emotional outpouring. And I just, I couldn't stop the waterworks for, I don't know, probably at least until uh, community was, you know, they were, they, all the Eucharist ministers went back up to the altar, but I was, it was just constant. I, I couldn't believe how much I missed him. And it, it, like I said, it just blew my mind because I wasn't expecting it. And it just, the power of the Eucharist and that's, you don't get emotional like that over a piece of bread, right? It is Christ in the Eucharist. Let's be, let's be honest. And, um, it was, that was an amazing, that was probably spiritually the highlight of my time in texas well <clears throat> the my job that i'm at eventually opens up where i can come back to to idaho so oh, cool. i request the transfer and we were only in texas for nine months and so we end up coming back up here to texas or from texas back up to idaho but we settle in nampa instead of mountain home get involved with saint paul's down here and staying busy in that regard but now an opportunity arises for my wife to go back to work because remember this whole time i didn't mention this but she's homeschooling the kids the entire time okay right so we've been a homeschool family since the get-go um well to be fair there's one year of kindergarten 
where my daughter was in a public school and they told her she's not allowed to pray before meals. So we took her out of school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that we've been homeschooling ever since then. Makes it pretty simple. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <clears throat> like, you can't tell me I can't pray before yeah. me. What? So, yeah. So we've been homeschooling since, since, since that point in time. So, uh, but my wife gets the opportunity to go back to work. She's been homeschooling the kids now. They're at this point, they're teenagers getting ready to go into high school or my daughter's in high school. And we said, all right, let's, and I, I was struggling at my work, not because I couldn't do the work, but I wasn't, I felt like demons were attacking. It was very secular culture. Sure. It was, and plus it was warehouse work and that's not my style. I come to learn that's not my style. Power to those who can do that work, but it's not for me. So I end up, we end up making this drastic life change where my wife's going back to work and now I'm going to come home and I'm going to homeschool kids. And that was a big change because obviously my wife and I, two very different approaches on teaching, two different, very different people. Um, but I give her all the praises because she did such a wonderful job with the kids. So it made it extremely easy for me to step in because they were well-trained. They knew exactly what we needed to do. And we made some minor adjustments, minor changes. I think I'm more strict. So I probably asked more of the kids than she did, but they're great kids and they, they do a wonderful job. And we, we are, so we're on this journey right now where I'm doing the homeschooling thing. We're ending our first year of, of me homeschooling. She's, she's at a, another job right now. So she's working through doing great things there. And what I, what I, what I love is I don't know where Christ, where, what God's plan for us as the future is, but I know he's in control. And when I look back and I reflect on my whole, my life and see, all right, where was God present? It's to me, it was, he was always there, whether I knew it or not. Right. He was, he was calling me for prayer before I, I knew him. Right. Even though I had my first encounter with communion was, was a snack in the middle of a, a Protestant service. Right. It was, to me, it was like a foreshadowing almost of what I was about to, the trueness I was going to receive years later. Um, when we were, we didn't want to have our kids in a military hospital. When we got to North Carolina, they didn't have a military hospital. So we had our kids out in, in a civilian hospital. Um, <clears throat> our timing, our time separated was horrible from each other because we were all separated. But I grew in a relationship with Christ by myself. She grew in a relationship with Christ because even, even there, when she was there with her parents, she started helping out with the church on her own for the first time, too. We came together as a family. You know, I came into the church. We had this amazing turning of events with the, the Curcio, the retreat we went on where we started to live our Catholic faith. You know, we get here to Idaho, we're involved more. And now there's this whole opportunity of where, where I can spend time with the kids because I've been gone for, you know, a 20 year career. And I don't know, we haven't been able to reflect and see the whole purpose of the Texas move yet, why we went to Texas, why we came back. We don't know yet, but eventually, we're going to see why God had that happen in our lives. We're going to see why I'm homeschooling now instead of Janelle. We're going to see whatever else comes forward, whatever comes our way. We're going to see that he was in control. And it's a beautiful thing when you recognize that. Wow. Thank God you blew out your ACL. All right. Right. Because that's another it's, thing. Too. It actually is. It actually is good to put that stuff in perspective in the moment. You're saying this, this screws up everything, God, as if mm -hmm. he doesn't know what that's going to do to your life in that moment and what it's going to mean for the future. And like you yeah. said, with Texas, the waterworks, like you said, having that could have happened anywhere, of course. Mm -hmm. But you're going to remember your time in Texas because of that moment. Absolutely. And I'd also say you were talking about a number of times you said in the early part of the story, you said, I just, you know, it is what it is. So I kept going. You said that several times. Yeah. Uh, so I just kept going. Well, the grace of God kept you going because you had not converted. You were, like you said, you were just sitting there, arms folded, but you kept going and there was no motivation. You didn't have like another, maybe there was something else that you didn't say, but it sounded like I'm just going. And to me, that's God saying, just go, just keep Yeah, it, it's a good point because, yeah, that's something else I forgot to mention on the kind of the recap, if you like. Yeah. It was cinnamon so easy for me to be like, well, 
like my first encounter with the mass, it would have been easy for me to say, all they care about is money. I'm out of here, you know, but something kept me going. Um, it just, it, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and then also to say, cause you mentioned, you know, so I did turn my ACL, which allowed me to go to the, the retreat. Yep. Had I gone, had I deployed, I would have missed the winter retreat and the spring retreat. And then we would have moved to Idaho. So I would have never have gone on the retreat. I wouldn't have had an opportunity. So God knows what he's doing. We, we'd like to think that we're in control, but. Unbelievable. So dumb question. So you're going, you, when you go to South Korea, you go to Japan, there's English speaking masses everywhere. Like that's, that's yeah, something that's just amazing to me, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you go on the base, cause you're at the military base, the military base is like a small American town. Oh, good point. It's the base. You're absolutely right. So you're going to yeah. have coverage. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. But you could go, we did enjoy, I, I did, whenever we're out and about, we, we try to go to, you know, the a local church to see yeah. what's going on. So, um, but that's the beautiful thing of the mass, no matter what language it's in, you, you got the general format and you know, you know, what's going on. Yep. I love it. I that's love it. Great. That's great. Um, what, so just to shift a little bit, you've taught RCIA over the years. I know that. Yes. I wanted to ask you, maybe you could give some wisdom to people that watch uh, this program and programs like it. Um, what do you notice in those students that come in? Is there, is there a similarity that you notice that would basically lead you to, how do I put it? What you're learning from the people coming in, what is it that you can share to others that are considering it, if that makes sense. Because I think yeah. that you would get some strong uh, sample of what is going on and why people are coming at that moment. And, and there's just been a pretty big influx, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I've noticed uh, on my side, but. Yeah, so this actually, this is the first year I haven't taught RCIA since I became a Catholic. So I've been teaching RCIA for uh, probably seven, eight years. Okay. And um, what I noticed there's, there's, it seems like there's three different types of folks. You got the folks who I need to go to RCA cause I want to get married and receive a sacrament. So I wait, or, or, you know, you have those folks who will come in just to check the box and then they're gone. You never see them again. Then you have the folks who had this wild conversion. Like I remember this, this one guy when I was in Mountain home, he was this young guy, single drunk and just like stumbling one night. And he just lost and he comes, he, he gets lost in downtown on home, which is small. He get lost, but he's drunk. So he's, he's wandering around and then he stumbles. He just, he, he's doing almost like this. Why God, why God thing, you know, help me God. And he ends up collapsing on the corner of a street and he looks up and he sees our lady good counsel, the Catholic church in the corner. And it has the mass times and it says RCIA or, or, or some, there's something that brought him. He said, this is the answer. So he had like this thing. And so he started coming to RCIA and he was, he wanted to be there. He didn't, he, it wasn't like, I have to be here. I wanted to be there. So you have that group. And then you have the people who are like the, are more of the reverts, really those who, who were Catholic and they're like, man, I, I, I haven't realized what I've been missing going to these other things, whether it's going to other denominations or going, you know, trying the, the whole atheist thing, they, they come back around and like, it's, I've been, I've been gone for so long and now it's time for me to come home. So those are the three that I tend to see um, in my experience. And the beauty of it is as, as the, the RCIA team or the teacher, <clears throat> their, their genuine interest and it's not everybody, but they have genuine interest. They want to know. And when you, somebody else is around you who wants to know, why does the church do this? Why does the church teach that? Why does, you know, whatever it is, it makes you a better Catholic, a better follower of Christ. Because now you're like, well, if I don't know this answer, I probably should. Let me find out. And it, it helps your own faith journey by witnessing their faith journey coming into the church or back to the church. Excellent. Excellent. The other thing I wanted to mention is someone like you, you were going all over the place. Oftentimes you're saying uh, Korea, I mean, Japan, I mean, Texas, yeah. I mean, I know, because you move yeah. so much. So people go from place to place, right? 
and they are aware of the material you know the material world like in mm -hmm. you have these vivid recollections of what these different places look like but no matter where you're going you were talking about this god was always present i i don't know if there's a question in there but it's like just to have this spiritual umbrella that's just no matter where you go you're under the same umbrella the immaterial the spiritual that's guiding you and each move you can see obviously the material but the spiritual was so part of each move and how he was just watching you travel through this journey i i don't know it's just remarkable to me how that how that works in other words people feel at times that they can somehow escape god like they don't want to they don't want to be loved it's really yeah what it comes down to in many many respects you know when you're running away but when you see that where where are you going where are you going and i know you weren't running when you were getting uh deployed to different locations but i see a parallel to people that will go from place to place and not realize yeah. that god is just right there the entire time no that's a good point yeah i, I it comes to mind is like an umbrella like because i didn't know when I, at the moment in time like even right now i don't know what his plan is right so going all those different places I guess in my mind, like if it was raining out the whole time and God was standing above me with an umbrella, I never got wet. Right. I was just, but I never knew why I didn't get wet. And then when I go back and I look at that picture, look back on it, I'm like, oh, I didn't get wet because God was over there holding the umbrella the whole time. Right. So he was with me that entire time. But I didn't know why, but he was, yeah. he was I didn't want to get wet. Right. So he was leading that umbrella and I was just following him underneath it. So I didn't get wet, but I didn't realize it until reflecting on it way back. Um, and I feel like that's going to be the same thing, you know, in, in five, 10 years, who knows when, when I look back, I'm like, okay, that's why yep. this all happened. Yep. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. finally, uh, making this happen. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was good. Thanks yeah. for, for getting me on here. My, my pleasure. And maybe down the road, we will do that apologetic series, but um, I think I need to get we'll my see. degree. I need to get my degree first and then we <laughs> Yeah, how's that going? That's going good for you? It's going well. It's going well. Yeah, after this semester, I'll be a quarter of the way done. So it's going to be nice. slow going, but hey, hey, better than nothing, right? So. Yeah, it took me it took me nine years to get my bachelor's degree. So Okay, okay. Was, I took like one class a year for a while. There you go. So. There you go. <laughs> it happens. Cool. Uh, everyone, thanks for watching. As usual, uh, please subscribe, comment, share, etc. Until next time, take care and God bless. All right. God bless. Thanks.